poppin'. I know we up against a lot. I know. Nobody said this walk could be easy. But you gotta fight the good fight. Welcome back to Capital Punishment. This is Lorenzo Alexander. I'm here with my man Kedrick Ghostin, who's still down in Miami. We got a lot to talk about today, but before we get into get into the show, man, I just want to catch up with you. See how you been? You know, I ain't seen my brother. You been you been down in Miami for about three weeks now. You 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 living down there? You moving? I mean, that's what is the plan seems like. I was actually some people from DC came down yesterday. We was hanging out, and one of them said, "Man, I didn't know you spent your 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 all seasons in Miami." And I was like, "Man, I don't," but it seems to be that way because. This is the longest I've been anywhere um, away from home. But uh, it's been good, man. Obviously, can't beat the weather. Um, but the training, uh, the physical therapy has been really well. Right. Uh, feeling feeling like my old self again. So I'll be down here for another week. And then uh, right when the weather turns in, in Virginia, I'll be back there to enjoy some of that spring weather. Well, that sounds good, man. Well, I, I definitely want to reassure you that your um – Son, your youngest son, Caden, uh, is a monster and has been dominating that flag football. Uh, he's kind of a mix of uh, a little shady and uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, it, it's kind of scary to watch him out there run around. He is a determined young man. I tell you, I don't, I, I haven't seen focus in many people like I see in his eyes when you tell him to do something. Right, he goes and does it. But um, you know, it, I, I can't wait to get back up there, help out, and uh, see them play. But you know, talking about football and activities, obviously this past week was the offseason. Started the offseason for the Buffalo Bills, a new coaching staff, uh, kind of new philosophies. Tell us about that. How is Coach Sean, uh, Sean McDermott uh, different or similar to Rex Ryan? And what are you looking forward to in the season? Well, the, the guys are definitely different, um, I, I think, uh, on opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and it's not to say one, one way is better than the other way. They're just different. I think every head coach has their own way of going about doing things, and I think that's just important. Uh, you have to play to your personality as far as how you run your organization, how you run your team. And um, Sean, is, I think, is a little bit more detailed and more um, uh, organized in, in the fact as far as what he wants and how he wants it, where Rex was a little bit more of letting the players do it and kind of more fluid and, you know, depending on what the situation was, uh, Coach Sean is a lot more black and white. And for me personally, it doesn't really matter. But I think for our young guys, it definitely helps them. Uh, there's not, you know, there, there's not as much wiggle room. You know, it's either this or that. You're either wrong or you're right. And I think that's going to help them understand where they are, where they need to be, and how they need to develop. Um, but outside of that, there's really not much uh, different as far as the off season. Um, we still have the same training staff who is there, um, been working out, um, having some great workouts, getting in there with those young guys. We actually have this thing called the Bills games or the Iron Bills games that we do every year and uh, got to pick our teams, draft our teams, and, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a tricky way where they get us to compete harder because all, obviously all of us are very competitive So out there. But I will, like, for our first event, we had to do this obstacle course. Uh, being uh, the oldest guy on the team, I did finish in the, the top ten, I think number nine. Uh, they don't give extra points, I've been, but I was trying to say, man, y'all got to give extra points for guys that are, you know, over 30 that are finishing, beating all these 20-somethings in, in these games, but they, they didn't budge. But uh, other than that, you know, installing the defense, got to meet my coach, Bob Babbage, really like his personality and how he goes about um, installing, and I think it's going to be fun. Leslie Frazier um, is probably one of the best. We have uh, Mike Waffle as well on our, on our defensive line uh, staff, so it's going to be uh, – uh, I think um, a, a great year for us defensively because we're going to keep it uh, simple and uh, be very great at uh, at the stuff that we do have and, and what we do put in. Yeah, so, I mean, that sounds 
phenomenal, actually. And it's great that you bring that up because I think uh, with a first-year head coach, a young football team, you do have to make things black and white because there only needs to be one message, one voice. This is the way we're going to do it. And as you grow and as a team matures, now we can start to figure out, well, how does, you know, then coaches, I think, start listening to their players a little bit more of how they see it because that's really what it's about. It's right. not about, you know, you can understand – what the coach is telling you, but you know, some coaches say the same things and mean totally different things. So getting on the same page as far as communication. So as a first year coach coming in and, you know, changing defensive schemes, I'm assuming you have to be black and white about what you want because there is no gray area. Because right. I can't, I can't, I can't allow you to assume I'm talking about something differently or what you're talking about is okay. It, it's not necessarily a right or wrong thing, but this is the way we're going to do it because I'm implementing a system. I need to get my foundation put in place right. so that it can evolve to do what we do best. Yep, and I think that's uh, I think most important that you know that falls a lot on me and Kyle and some of the other older guys on the team. Not uh, obviously when you're older, you know you feel like you have a little bit more leeway and more pull. But I think it'd be great for us to set that example as we're falling in line too. Um, obviously, we used to doing a certain way. Uh, like Kyle Williams, for example, normally doesn't come to the offseason workouts. You know, obviously he's an older vet. You know, he knows to take care of his body. He lives down in Louisiana. But he decides he's going to show up um, for the offseason and work out with the guys just to show that there's buy-in um, from the leadership, from the player's perspective. And then, you know, once a guy like that shows up, everybody needs to be there. Everybody's working hard and then following suit as we continue to install. And then a second point you made about communication and making it clear, you know, there's – 50 different ways to call one route in the NFL. Um, but what, but <laughs> no what we've done, you know, right here, we, especially with our coach Bobbage, uh, Bob, what I like what he's doing is that we're all going to be talking the same language, what the formations look like, what is that route called. And even though I may call a star route or something like that, like a strong curl, he wants it to be called a star route. Um, so that yeah. when we're on the field in the heat of battle or at practice, I'm not saying one thing and he's saying another and we're saying the same exact thing, but there's frustration there because the language isn't the same. So um, that's something that I thought was uh, key. And I think guys, you know, once obviously right now it's like it's, it's like busy work. Why well, we got to learn all these new routes? But when it comes to the heat of the battle and you have the, the terminology and the communication under your belt, things are able to make are able to get adjusted a lot quicker. Um, no doubt. No doubt. So transitioning uh, from that, I mean, you know, you talk about Kyle Williams, talk about yourself, uh, Pro Bowl players. Um, Zach Brown, yeah. uh, former Bills linebacker, is now with the Washington Redskins. Um, what should the Redskins fan expect both on and off the field, and how do you think that either is going to – is Buffalo ready? Obviously, they have a plan with another guy stepping into that role. They wouldn't let him walk out that locker room. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Zach Brown brings to the table as a player and as a man? Well, I guess I'll answer about Buffalo first. I guess I'm going to be kind of transitioning to that off-the-ball linebacker spot, playing the Will and Sam. So my, my, I guess my role really isn't – it's kind of his in, in, in a sense, depending on what scheme we're in. But then we also mm-hmm. have uh, Ramon Humbert, who's going to be stepping up right now, who's starting. But we only have four, four linebackers on our team. So we still have the draft. I know they're going to still bring in guys um, to help um, fill that role that Zach Brown is leaving. Um, and we're going to just have to do it by committee. Obviously, it's hard to, to, to uh, replace a guy of his caliber as far as making plays, running to the ball, um, all that stuff. 
So, but we'll get it done, and there won't be no excuses because he decided to leave. We also lost Stephon Gilmore, so somebody like Kevon wow. Seymour is going to have to step up as well at that corner position. And that's you know each and every year with free agency in the NFL, teams have to be resilient and f- figure out a way to replace guys that made such a um, a, a huge impact on their team, whether it's defense, offense, or special teams. Now moving to Washington, um, Zach um, is going to be a dynamic player. I mean, this dude. And I haven't seen him recently. I heard that he lost a little bit of weight in, in offseason, um, just trying to get ready and, and kind of, you know, reform his body. But, I mean, last year he played about 255. He can run and cover, can hit. Um, so you're going to get a guy that's a tackling machine, flying around the ball. Um, and then is that also a student in the game? He's, a, he's uh, you know, from the South. So I think sometimes you can underestimate his uh, football acumen just the way he, by the way he talks and presents himself. But he's very knowledgeable of the game. Um, I think hopefully I would like to see him be able to communicate that to other guys in the room as he continues to develop as as a leader and, and matures in that way um, so that he can help uh, rise everybody else around him up. But as far as being a guy that's going to make plays, running the ball and help that defense uh, climb the ladder statistically, uh, that's the guy that you want. Um, very athletic, like I said before, is very versatile, can cover, blitz. Uh, he thinks he can rush, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> But uh, he's a good overall football player that's definitely going to make that defense better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Obviously, stepping in the room with Mason Foster, Will Compton, um, some of the younger guys. I don't know whether Sewer Cravens is going to play safety or still kind of be that, you know, hybrid linebacker type safety. But, um, you know, the guy had a phenomenal year in the prime of his career at 27 years old. So I think Redskins fans have a lot to look forward to. And, and that's the thing about the NFL, man. You can, you know, you, you make the Pro Bowl on one team and then you're at another team the next year. And it, it, it's not just about players. Here we are with uh, the Oakland Raiders now transitioning to Las Vegas. Obviously you're a Bay area kid. You were a 49ers yeah. fan, but that, that team leaving that community, that's a big deal. How, it, how do you think the city feels about that? It is a big deal. And, you know, you know, and, and this is where, you know, I think the fans get a taste of, uh, the business side of the NFL or the political side because um, just like as players, when we're free agents, you normally want to stay with your team and that team may offer you a contract or may not or may want to move on to somebody that's more financially beneficial, is going to bring them in more money or save them more money. And that's kind of the same situation here as far as getting the stadium built. Um, I know the city is, is strapped um, as far as investing in, in, in a stadium and in, in the NFL and they couldn't come to a deal. Um, so from a business standpoint, it makes sense for them to move uh, because, as we all know as players, the Oakland Stadium is probably one of the worst or the worst now since, you know, the Niners no, no longer play in uh, what I call Candlestick. I forgot what it was called. might have been Dot Co. or I don't know what it's called <laughs> now. Candlestick Park. It's Candlestick. That's what I grew up knowing it as. Uh, maybe the worst in the league. Um, so, you know, I understand why they're moving. Now, from a fan perspective, it's hard. I mean, no, I mean, it's Raider fans are uh, – legendary, historic, you know, part of uh, the culture of the NFL, especially there in Oakland. I mean, just the the black hole, people dressing up, um, just all the history and memories. I mean, I remember going to games with my godfather, you know, every year. I mean, I, I was a Niners fan, but Oakland was much more accessible. Um, and I also offer jobs. I have many friends that live in the Oakland area, Bay Area, that work as security guards, concessions, and stuff like that. Even my, my mother was a, a security guard. So it's... Um, it's going to be hard to see it leave. Obviously, going to lose a few jobs, probably a lot of uh, dollars as well in that in that area as far as what it brings in. So it's definitely going to be hard from that side. But 
the Raider fans are passionate. Um, we had a lot of people drive down uh, from L.A. every week, and I'm sure a lot of people are now jump over on a quick flight on Southwest who will probably now become a huge benefactor of, of them moving to Vegas and, and catch that hour flight and, and head over to the Vegas to watch them play on Sundays now or drive down from L.A. or Oakland because the, the, the drive is really not that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously I've, you know, the Raiders are one of those iconic franchises in the NFL, you know. So we knew them as the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders. And to move to Las Vegas, it's it's almost kind of like, you know, maybe not the same caliber. Like if the Cowboys were to leave Dallas or right. the, the, the Packers to leave Wisconsin. I mean, there's certain staples, you know, or pillars in the league that you kind of want to see stay the same. From the business side, I understand it. Obviously, the Las Vegas market you know, the entertainment city that that is, that's huge for the NFL from a business standpoint. But as far as, you know, the nuts and bolts of the NFL, you you hate to see it go. And you wish somehow, some way that something could have been done. Because like you said, those facilities were subpar and uh, needed to be upgraded. Um, But it still kind of hurts because not only that, they're still going to be in Oakland for what, the next two years. (laughs) And so now it's kind of like, you know, you had a separation with your spouse, but now y'all got to stay in the same house. And those Oakland fans are are passionate, but sometimes passionate isn't the best thing one way or the other, other um, because we know how sometimes they can get out of hand. And uh, you really don't want that because, like you said, you have a young up-and-coming team, a team that, you know, probably could have played for the AFC Championship right. quarterback when they got hurt late in the year and the kind of – you know, and I, I can feel the frustration of the fans because for so many years they dealt with, you know, mediocre, yep. mediocrity. And now to have a team with a young quarterback, a, a young nucleus, and for you to take that and leave, you know, I wasn't born when the when the uh, Colts left Baltimore. But, you know, I kind of get that same type of feeling, you know, for them team, for, for the Raiders to leave like that. And not to mention, it's Las Vegas. <laughs> you got young, you got young men, and there's temptation everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, New Orleans has a franchise, Miami has a franchise, um, but Vegas never cuts off. And so, how do you think, you know, the the young players and even the current players are going to be able to transition into that type of environment? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to be a professional, and uh, there's a whole lot of ways to cut yourself, and that just added even a little <laughs> bit more ways. So either you get in shape or you get out of there. I mean, I think there's so much supply in this league as far as guys. I mean, we, we've seen it each and every year. You know, you got a new draft class coming in, free agents. Some guy, you know, uh, coming over from the CFL, you know, finally figures it out or guys develop. And you know, it's 53 spots uh, that everybody's fighting for, and there's more than enough guys. So if you uh, aren't going to be professional enough or mature enough uh, to go out there and handle your business in an appropriate way and um, conduct yourself so that you can show up on, on time for work and, and uh, produce uh, where it counts, you're going to be just another guy that wasn't able to do it if they lived in D.C. or New York because the party lifestyle was just too much for you. Um, so I think that's what it just comes down to. Uh, they, and I'm pretty sure they're going to have a a, um, a stringent uh, media, or not media, but um, like a cop or come in. I know the FBI security talk because I know there's a lot of um, uh, mob activity and stuff like that in that area as well. So... They're going to have all the resources they need to, to to do well and be safe and 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 do the right thing. But like anything, like all the stuff that you have, are you going to utilize it? So uh, at the end of the day, the guys that are, are serious about their business and want to be on the field are going to do it. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a valid point about the, you know, the, the organized crime and things like that. And especially talking about Vegas and, 
and gambling, you know what I mean? And players being in casinos mm -hmm. and sports books and things like that. And obviously I have the utmost respect for our league and the integrity uh, that we play with, but those are, those are serious concerns. Obviously, you know, you know, the, the gambling capital of the world and having all that accessibility uh, to those things, you bring up, you know, valid points of, you know, needing to players really need to listen and, and, and take advantage of the resources they have to put themselves in the best situation to go out there and perform at the high level. But we live in the real world and we understand that there probably will be some players that fall by the wayside just because it is too much temptation uh, to go out there and, and to be able to focus. Like, like you said, in any city, all these major cities have, you know, things like that. But I tell you one thing that will help the Oakland Raiders is they get a deal done with Marshawn Lynch. And I know obviously y'all play together. <laughs> right. Now. And, you know, he, you know, he's beast mode for a reason. And, yep. and in my opinion, I think that the year off only helped him yeah. uh, to be able to come back and and perform at a higher level than even when he left. And I know you have, you know, a lot closer to him uh, than I am, both personally and professionally. So uh, give me your take on that. Well, you know what? I mean, they're getting a two for one. I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of been saying this is a PR move. And yeah, it probably is. I mean, he is Oakland. He's a great representative of our city and the grit and grind it takes uh, to rise up out of there and become successful. Um, but also, like you mentioned, I mean, he's a great running back. He's not your average guy. He is the exception to the rule. He is over 30. He had, a, uh, you know, a little uh injury in his last I think year in Seattle so his numbers were down and and again I don't think he really wanted to be in Seattle he had already won a championship so his mind was somewhere different and and if you know Marshawn once his mind is on something else or he don't feel like you with him you ain't with him and I ain't with you so uh you know going back to Oakland I think he's going to be in a, in a great situation he's going to be at home where he loves to be uh, he's going to have that whole city behind him um, it's going to be a great PR move, bringing a hometown boy that's, you know, a Hall of Fame caliber player. And uh, it, it's going to be great. I mean, so you, you may be able to save some of your fandom in, 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 in that way as well. And plus, go out there and you add another dynamic piece on the field, which can get you over that hump, which you probably, like we mentioned earlier, if Derek Carr doesn't go down, uh, you are in that, you know, AFC championship game and who knows what's going to happen there. And you add a piece like Marshawn, uh, beast mode, who can move the sticks, uh, who has a lot of big play potential as well on the ground. It's only going to open up stuff even more so for Derek Carr in that offense because now you got to put eight, nine in the box sometimes uh, to stop Marshawn. So um, it's, it's a great football move. It's a great PR move. And um, they're going to be very smart if they can get a deal done with uh, Seattle, whether that's trade or, you know, Seattle releases him. I don't know how that's actually going to work. But if they can get him in that building and get him signed, uh, it's definitely going to be uh, the best move they've probably made in a while outside of drafting, you know, Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, to, to be able to bring him in and what he brings to the table, both uh, from a leadership or professional aspect and, and from Marshawn's side, to be able to come into your hometown city and play for your hometown team. I know he's a guy that does a lot for his community, mm -hmm. but that's huge. You know, when you talk about legacy and, and like you said, coming out of the, coming out of the struggles uh, that he came out of, to be able to give back, to, to give the youth of Oakland uh, something better to look forward to and more opportunities uh, than you had and that he had. I mean, when you, when you take a step back, that's really what it's about, using the platform that we got to do good and what better place to do it than in your hometown city where you definitely genuinely love and care about that city and want to see it do well. Yeah, you know, Family First Foundation, uh, I know that's what he repped, that's what they do. They're constantly doing things. Him and Josh Johnson, they got a whole crew out there that are constantly giving back. And um, 
just to hear the work that he's done. I mean, I, I remember one time my boy, uh, Charles Ellis, uh, we call him House. We play football together. He's actually a correctional officer or a probation officer at Juvenile Hall now and uh, works with a lot of kids. And he said Marshawn came out one time and just to speak to the kids, uh, just to give them uh, some hope um, as far as wh where they could be and with the potential that they already possess inside of them. And, you know, just he's so passionate about helping young young men um, and women that, I mean, he came to tears and everybody in there could just feel how genuine and raw it was uh, because he was coming straight off the, you know, the heart. And when you have those type of moments, you really end up changing or impacting individuals' lives because they see this grand football player, beast mode, running over cats on TV, but can come in and be um, vulnerable and so real with them um, that it can definitely inspire change. Impactful to those young men and young women that, that were able to hear that message. So, I just know what he's going to mean to that community on and off the field. Um, I'm very proud of him. Obviously, I got to play with him at Cal, um, played against him in the league. So we actually play him again uh, this year in Buffalo. Uh, I look forward to it, but I don't look forward to it because um, I like to play against the best. I like to, you know, uh, <laughs> beat the best. But you know you got to bring your lunch pail when you face him. I mean, it's been a couple of times where I've, I've had a clean shot and he's not looking at me. In some way, I, I'm the one coming up with a bent face mask. Uh, so uh, I, I look forward to playing against you, money. You know, you family. So we're gonna have to get after it too uh, again this year. So hopefully uh, uh, they make that happen so that so we can play one last time again and uh, I can get your jersey. So hopefully you listen to this message so I can get your jersey. I'm calling it out first out of all the guys on my team. <laughs> I, I need that swap so I can put it up on my wall. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. If he, if he's able to sign with the Raiders and you able to get that hometown jersey, uh, sign Beast Mode, man. I mean, I'm I, I'm pretty sure one of your kids will probably end up taking it. You wouldn't have it for long. <laughs> uh, but for the moment, you holding it for, for either uh, Mason or Miles or shoot even Zoe or Nessa, right? Uh, or me, I might even take that one. But uh, <laughs> man, great show. This is Capital Punishment. Uh, I'm Kendrick Goldson, my brother Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, to everybody listening to this, have a great week and uh we'll we'll be in touch soon you can catch me at at ghost of 64 or at one man game so uh we'll be in touch yes sir